Hey, this is Albert, co-host and editor on The Film Room. Uh, I just want to say, for one, I apologize for any uh, sort of delay on The Film Room. Like, we're pretty behind. But we're catching up. We're catching up. We're gonna re we're recording new episodes. We're putting uh, the backlog up uh, of recorded episodes. And I'll preface the backlog here, uh, starting with, well... This is Marvel number 5, which was recorded in May of last year, shortly after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 came out, which is primarily what we talk about. It's a great conversation. So, you know, th these are our thoughts on Guardians Volume 2, and uh, uh, I hope you enjoy. Of course, you know, this is before any Infinity War stuff. We've already put up the Infinity War cast. Yeah, we oh, things have changed in the last year. We had no idea what was coming. Jesus Christ. Uh, but anyway, so I hope you enjoy Marvel number five, uh, episode ninety-eight. Here it is. Go. kind of bizarre that we're in the position of doing this one can i just say that yeah like does it seem weird to anybody else that we're reviewing guardians of the galaxy volume two <laughs> like it's weird that they made the first one in the first place just before the first movie came out marvel did not have a guardians of the galaxy title they only restarted a title to tie into the movie that is literally how poorly received these characters were how unknown they were as of now virtually let's see as of now i think every single one of the characters uh with the exception of star lord just had his book canceled they all have solo books now wow what happened to change the character's popularity well pretty obvious the first movie came out uh first movie opened to a way more than expected 94 million uh would wind up i think just shy of 300 million Actually, I tell you, it may, it may have wound up crossing that mark. First movie was a mega hit, critical smash, audience beloved, and here we are for the sequel. Uh, Marvel gave it a prime uh, first weekend in May opening date instead of instead of last weekend of the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they gave it a really good date. They gave it a prime opening date. Uh, this was treated as the big film of summer. You probably won't. I don't know. Are we even going to see another movie that could do the numbers that this one's going to do this summer? I think, I mean, there no. are others that have a chance. I mean, I think Spider-Man Homecoming has a good chance and, uh, sure. in the way that, well, yeah, Spider-Man, because it's Marvel, but yeah, any other movie, sure. It has a chance in the way that, um, um, an ice cube has a chance to survive in an oven. No, this, this is, this is going to be the big film of summer. I'd wager this will probably be the biggest film of the year until uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I, I really think, because I don't think Cars 3 is going to be all that big. Nah. Uh, this is this is a mega hit. This is open to a huge $146 million. That's a $52 million increase between first and uh, second film. Man, when you have an increase that big, you have an obvious sign that the audience liked what they saw last time. Yeah, uh, I remember when it came out in 2014, there was a running joke last time that every that everybody and their mom saw Guardians of the Galaxy opening weekend. So if it did more, then everybody and their mom and pa saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, this was a, I mean, this was a mega hit. Obviously, we saw it opening weekend. I saw it opening day. Oh, yeah, I saw it Sunday. Well, okay, I saw it Friday, so second day, because it, it had a, 
They made seventeen million on Friday or on Thursday alone. I babysat while uh, while friends were seeing. Well, house sat the babies were asleep, but yeah. So yeah, so big hit film, big huge hit, and we're gonna go into full spoilers in this review. So if you want, so if you want our opinion right at the start, so you can then turn it off and uh, not get spoiled. Um, Holy hell, this is an amazing sequel. This is this is an awesome film. For the love of God, go see it if you haven't. Wow. So, wow, where, where do you even start with this movie, though? That's the thing. Where do you start? It answers a lot of questions uh, left by the first one. It makes things from the first one make a lot more sense. Yeah, it really... This is not a sequel that's just a smash. This is not just, well, you liked it last time, so here's more of the same, and we're just going to reheat it, we're going to rehash it, it's going to be bland and familiar at this point. No, this is a movie where everything actually moves forward. There really is a sense that the arcs that these characters are on actually get addressed. And it's not just it's not just uh, Peter Quill's arc. Every character, really. Yeah. But really, when you go right down to it, every character gets a little bit of growth. Um, well, except for Groot, because, you know, he is Groot. <laughs> There's not much more to be said. He gets some growth at the end. Wink, wink. <laughs> yep. Which you can now buy a Funko Pop of. Go figure. Of Teenage Groot, really? Yes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we we do get that idea that, you know, that all these characters, they do grow. Um Gamora and Nebula have an amazing arc in this film that really that really lays out the idea that these two women have never really connected. They've never really bonded and they needed they needed each other and they weren't there for each other because they were trying to survive something painful. I mean, that's a really powerful idea. These two women that were both in an abusive situation and needed each other and couldn't support each other. That's powerful. Uh, so you have that. You have um, the idea that uh, Drax is actually evolved from the, the, the previous movie. Drax has actually grown. Now that he has avenged his family's death, he's actually a much happier person. He's actually a much more emotionally satisfied person because he is fulfilled. He's still the same humorous, fun, very literal character. We've got a sovereign fleet approaching from the rear. Why would they do that? Probably because Rocket stole some of their batteries. Dude! Right. He didn't steal some of those. I don't know why they're after us. What a mystery this is. Rocket is still dealing with the fact that he doesn't like the fact that he exists. Right. God bless Rocket. And and Bradley Cooper, by the way, continues to just be completely invisible in this role. Mm-hmm. He kills it. Like, do you ever, do you ever think that that's him? No, every once in a while I'll stop and say, oh yeah, it's Bradley Cooper, isn't it? Yeah, he's completely invisible. He really and truly, you never notice that that's him in the role. Because he just creates this very real character. It's strange to realize that Cooper could have probably been a voice actor. He's got the skills. And I know I said that the first time around, uh, but that's still really true. He really plays up how cynical and just what a bastard rocket is uh there's the there's the wonderful dialogue uh we're gonna try not to make this entire review just us quoting jokes but there's the wonderful dialogue about the trash panda trash panda that was and, pretty great and triangle-faced monkey yeah there's all <laughs> kinds of jokes about what do they call him yeah um if he's not a raccoon course, then what <laughs> and then of course there is the big 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 theme of this movie which is the idea that you know, the idea of fathers and sons. That's the big thing that really drinks, links this movie together because we do get to meet Quill's father. Yes. And which, oh boy. Which, which was the big open, open-ended thing in the last film. Yeah. And now, they deliver. Let me explain real quick for p- people that don't know the comics that had they delivered the comics version, we would have all been pretty bored and pissed by this movie. The comics version... Jason of Spartax is as boring a villain as it gets. He's just a generic emperor who wants to rule, etc. There's nothing interesting or unique about him. He doesn't have any powers. He's a boring character. 
James Gunn had the intelligence to say, hey, we've kind of done this character to death, the boring, uninteresting character, and instead he made the character Ego the Living Planet, his father. Yes. Ego the Living Planet is not a boring character. Yes. He is a very bizarre character, though. That's right. Star-Lord is the son of a woman and a planet in this movie. So, uh, a, a god smallgy, as Kurt Russell puts mm. it. Yeah. Okay, well, since you brought up Russell, let's get, get out of the way that one of the smart, that maybe the smartest thing that uh, Gunn did on the entire film was cast Kurt Russell in that role. Because if you, if you felt that Marvel has had nothing but boring, uninteresting villains until now, which I don't think is the most unfair criticism. I'm going to say right now, I don't think that's an unfair criticism. I think a lot of Marvel's villains are pretty dull. Um, except Loki. Except Loki. But, you know, Red Skull was good, but he was kind of the generic trope for what you get started. Yeah. Otherwise, there has been kind of a type. Well, that type gets nicely broken here with uh, Russell as Ego. Because, wow, it, Russell is just incredible in this film. Um, he weaponizes everything that makes him such an awesome presence and makes it scary and unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because Russell is such an innately likable guy that that charm is really weaponized because Ego, like so many villains, wants to destroy the universe, wants to rule the universe. His thing is he wants to rule by wiping out all life in the universe and becoming the only thing in it. Right, by making by making all life him, essentially, like assimilating mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So you have a villain whose plans are actually pretty grand in all things considered. He wants to assimilate all existence. Yeah, this is a real threat here. This is a real, genuine threat. And it's all the scarier because, again, Russell just is turning up the charm so high. Mm-hmm. That's just one of those things while watching the film uh, that just amazed me uh, about having the balls to have this premise it's like jesus you know they, it went from like they were kind of sort of battling like a demigod in the first one because he had the stone mm-hmm. but you know this one it's like uh they're battling a god a planet like they're fighting yeah. a fucking planet how awesome yeah. is this <laughs> you own a planet and can destroy two dozen spaceships without a suit what are you exactly I'm what's called a celestial, sweetheart. A celestial like a god? Hmm. Small G, son. Yeah, that's the thing. Let's be clear. For the first two-thirds of this movie, the stakes are toned way down. Mm-hmm. Way down. This movie scales yeah. things back big time for the first two acts. Yeah, and then the third one, it turns it up to 11. And you know what? That's great. Because here's what the movie is doing while it's toning things down. Mm-hmm. It's turning the character up. Mm-hmm. It's turning the humor up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really putting the focus on the characters. Very cartoony also. Yeah. I, oh, God. No, I one of my fears for this film, I knew I would like it regardless, but one of my fears for this film was, you know, I've seen Super. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's a fucked up film i mean in a good way but it's it's a fucked up film. and guardians of the galaxy is no different and uh guardians i was ho- i was kind of worried that guardians 2 because of you know you know the difference between iron man 1 and 2 like, yeah where marvel kind of stepped in with their plans uh i was worried that that would happen it's even this one's a little more fucked up <laughs> this one it, honestly this one feels way more handed over to gun yes this one feels way more like they trusted gun and i think that makes sense because because of course gun was the mastermind on the first movie so you know he he he's back as both writer and director on this one and for the record he has already confirmed he will come back for the third one he has a story he desperately wants to tell and you know, if he didn't want to come back, he wouldn't come back. Right. But Gunn did say that, you know, Marvel 
you know, he this is this is a personal film for him. Um, it's a personal film for him on many levels. Um, in that, well, one of the major main actors in the movie is his brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because uh, one of the very vital members of Yondu's crew is uh, played by Sean Gunn, uh, who fairly prolific outside of working with his brother. Uh, he also served as the uh, on-set double for Rocket and yeah. did the mocap. So, but again, you've got this really, really interesting thing there going with it, with this. Um, you know, with you're right because it would have been very easy to see that. Um, there's another great example that. Thor The Dark World, you can see Marvel's fingerprints all over that movie. Yeah, and I, from what I heard, I forgot where I heard it, but uh, there was a guy solely responsible for, in that era, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of becoming stale and generic. Yes. And they have since gotten rid of that guy. That would be Ike, that would be, uh, Ike Perlmutter. Yeah. yeah. Thank, who, who... thank Christ. <laughs> yeah, he really was inter- interfering a lot and trying to control it. Um, yeah, this, and this movie is clear signs that Marvel can take their hands off. Um, there are, you know, this movie does lay seeds for things, but they're not seeds for the future universe. They're seeds for the, for the future series. Yeah. And that's, that's a little different. I am okay with Marvel laying seeds for, you know, future sequels because, well, I want there to be future sequels. It's pretty easy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I, I did want to get back to the idea that this movie is about fathers and sons, because that's really what this movie is about, is the idea is. of which, what makes a man a father. Yeah, which I'm surprised they didn't release it in the month of Father's Day. Uh, Marvel won, Marvel owns this weekend. Go back to 2008. Marvel has loved this weekend. Honestly, this weekend has been a blessing for Marvel since 2002, when Spider-Man opened here. True. Um this movie really is a, you know, but this movie really is about fathers and sons. It's about the idea of what makes a man a father. Is it DNA or is it not just, not just that, but fathers and daughters. If you expand that to, uh, Gamora and, um, Nebula, Nebula. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's more of an invisible hand there, but it's the effect of, you know, bad fathering. You let me live! I don't need you always trying to beat me! I'm not the one that just flew across the universe just because I wanted to win. Do not tell me what I want! I don't need to tell you what you want, it's obvious! You were the one who wanted to win, and I just wanted a sister! You were all I had. You were the one who needed to win. Thanos pulled my eye from my head. And my brain from my skull and my arm from my body because of you. <sighs> yeah, you see good and bad um, because what this movie ultimately builds to is the idea of what, kind of answering a big question that some people had about the first movie, which is why didn't Yondu just get rid of Quill? Why did he insist upon... Why did he insist upon being there for him so much? Why didn't he hand him over to his father? Yeah, despite like his crew uh, ragging on him for being soft. Was it really just because he uh, wanted him for you know getting into small places? Was it really just that? No, no. It becomes very clear in this movie that it was because he genuinely loved him as a son. Michael, Ro- let's talk about Michael Rooker's script persona he is not a man known for doing gentle and sweet and kind he is this is henry portrait of a serial killer for the love of god yeah i have uh i have met his cousin his cousin is local and Mm. uh by by uh all accounts apparently he really is that wild and crazy I, I can believe it. I can believe it. This is, this is a guy who he plays assholes. At the nicest, he plays assholes. <laughs> and here he gets to be really, he's still playing an asshole. Moments where he is genuinely moving, genuinely touching, genuinely, you really, he makes you cry in this movie. At the end, it's like, I can't believe they, I can't believe that they killed him. That sucks. You really come to like his character, and then the movie removes him from the movie. 
Yeah. The movie removes him from. Oh, that's the other thing that this movie does. It does away with the whole Marvel gripe that they never kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, in all fairness, in all fairness, I'm I'm really kind of tired of that gripe because it's like, guys, they're not going to kill Captain America. You know, he's going to come back. They're not going to kill Sam fucking Jackson. Sam motherfucking Jackson. Now, they did kill Agent Coulson, and then they showed you why you're not allowed to actually really seriously kill anybody in comic book stuff, because right, because they'll still come back, even if there's no reason for them to come back, as Agents, as agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. showed us. Um, oh, I, I remember what my point was going to be earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah do tell. For In this one, they kind of continue an undercurrent of having, like, a... Uh, Marvel Cinematic B B movie universe, yeah. Uh, because Howard the Duck shows back up twice. Yeah, uh, you have you have lots of little background nods. Uh, my favorite thing, my favorite background thing, is I remember I forgot who told me this. It might have been you. The uh, the Stan Lee Watcher theory. Yeah, this movie kind of can. <laughs> this movie confirms it. <laughs> This movie confirmed it. He is indeed, uh, which I love. He's, um, he's a watcher informant. <laughs> yeah, he's a watcher informant. I love but, it. Uh, but by the way, do you, do you know what's if he's referring to anything specific when he said that I was a FedEx driver? Yes, I do. Ah, yes, please, I do. please War. tell me. Civil War. Civil War. Uh huh. Civil War. He was when a he... FedEx driver in Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, a direct reference to Civil War. I knew, I knew it was, uh, I knew it was probably it was one of the films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, this, by the way, the Watchers look really cool in this movie. They um, do. I mean, this I, movie. I don't really know if they're gonna do anything more with them, but you know, if they I don't show think up, will. Yeah, if they show up from time to time, then I'll be happy. Yeah, this movie really does embrace the bigness of the cosmic universe. Again, this is a movie where Ego, the Living Planet, is allowed to be a villain and. By the way, this movie doesn't lead – it's a mark of what this movie can get away with in terms of its humor that, okay, say that you had the line, yes, I have a penis in Batman and Robin. It would have rung horribly annoying. In this movie, when, by God, Kurt Russell character confirms, I created what I imagined biological life to be like, down to the most minute detail. Did you make a penis? Dude. What is wrong with you? If he's a planet, how could he make a baby with your mother? He would smush her. I, uh, yes, Drax? I got a penis. Ha! Thank you. That's not half bad. Oh. <laughs> You're just like, oh my god. It works. Man, the humor in this movie, the humor could have been a real big problem with this movie. Let's, let's make that clear. As poignant and emotional as this movie is, it is funny as hell. Yeah, but by the way, when they, he was showing, uh, when he was kind of laying out his uh, his grandmaster plan to Peter to Peter uh, uh, through via his little plastic dioramas, and he told he basically told him they made it with a bunch of alien species. Yeah, did you get a Futurama vibe as well? Oh yeah, yeah, and gun being gun, I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. Yeah, <laughs> it would not surprise me to learn that Gun was a big Futurama fan because this whole series has a big Futurama vibe to it. It does. Um, that said, I wouldn't want Gun to be the person to do it in live action because it has that much of a vibe. But but I mean, by the way, it's not a shock that Amanda is a, a big Futurama fan as well. So of course. Well, somebody already did, like, a half-hour live-action Futurama, yeah. and it's kind of amazing. Yeah, this, but, but this, getting back to this, the humor, I, I really want to touch on this about the humor. It's weird how much this, and by the way, I want to see that. That sounds awesome. I do need to look into that. I'm not ignoring that. Uh, just, but anyway, the, the humor in this movie, it really, it, here's what's nice about it. I noticed something. They don't repeat a lot of jokes in this movie. This is kind of a weird sequel where you're not just sitting there going, oh, God, they're telling the same jokes again. Right, exactly. No, no, this is a movie that things are fresh. Things move on. The characters are still basically the same, but th that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm okay with the characters staying still the characters. I 
but yeah, if, if this movie doesn't repeat jokes, which is such a blessing. It, it really is a gift to this movie that it just kind of is like, okay, you've heard these lines before. So though Rocket does once again get, get a hold of that guy's eye. <laughs> that was great, and that was more subtle. Yeah, that was uh, a subtle. Yeah. Yeah, just just because um if unless you specifically I don't know, if you hadn't seen the first one, which why on earth would you see a second one if you hadn't seen it? Yeah. Then you wouldn't know that that was a reference to a previous joke. Yeah, it the was, bit with the leg where it's it like yeah, it would still stand on its own, Rocket being a dick. Yeah, that's just it. The, the point of the joke is the same. The bit with the toe, and I'm not going to say what, because I do want to say some things for some people, but the bit with the toe and the way that they react to it, and the horse... I forgot about the toe. I will say, another thing they did, they don't overuse Baby Groot. He's not no. overly jammed in our face like a minion. <laughs> yeah. He's used about right. I mean, the focus is really still on... Quill and Rocket and Gamora. It's still on the characters. He's he's he doesn't overhog the movie. Like he's in this way less than say Snoopy was in the Peanuts movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's really well he's used right. They they don't overuse him. That's yeah. the thing. This movie does so many things that sequels don't do, which is that it doesn't go back to the well too much. It really feels like if you watch the first movie you're going to get more of what you like because there is some element of so – to some degree, this movie can't ever feel fresh or new, let's be honest, being a sequel. But you do get that sense that you are getting some new stuff. You are – you're not just stuck in place. And I love that. I love that the movie does have ambition. This is an ambitious movie. Um, it's a beautiful movie too. Gunn has really stepped his game up as a, a director. He – in terms of just delivering sheer beauty shots, uh, and definitely action-wise, oh, that's that's another thing. Oh, about the action! It's, oh my god, he, he cranked the cartooniness up a lot more. Like yeah, the, no better example of this. There's no better example of this than Rocket toying with, like, setting up a, a parameter of traps around the ship, and oh then using it to toy with the Ravagers. Yeah, he just like sends them up into the air, and then you know he. He's just, he's a little bastard. I love it. By the way, I, I saw this in theater with my niece and nephew. My father and I were sitting on opposite sides of her, and of my niece, and uh, we were, we was eight for for reference for the uh, audience. But we were we both had the, exa the exact same thought, which was, uh, wow, this is a higher body count than, I hope the kids are okay. And then look over at, at uh, my niece, and she's just laughing her ass off. It's like, okay. <laughs> there is a really high body count in this movie. There is one scene where people are just picked off one by one by one, and it is glorious. <laughs> yes. The, the, the deaths in this movie are great. Um, the action, I have seen some people complain that this movie is very cartoonish, that the effects are kind of video game-like. Eh. You know what? I don't, I don't think care. So. Yeah. I don't care even if that is the case. It's a it's an awesome looking movie. The shot when they first arrive on Ego, so to speak, mm -hmm. and it's set to My Sweet Lord by George Harrison. Yeah. Oh, that's it. This thing, this has a killer soundtrack. Though I will say, I think it has a worse soundtrack than the first movie. Yeah. Just it has a good soundtrack. I don't think it's as good. Yeah. Not as uh, stark. It's not as – they're just not songs that would instantly be like, okay, those are classics. Um, of course, it, it opens with Mr. Blue Sky, and okay, that's fine. I'm not going to knock that because um, that's an all-time great. Um, you know, the Harrison track is great, and in the single most emotionally devastating music cue of the year, mm -hmm. Cat Stevens' Father and Son yeah. is a great way to end the movie. But otherwise, I don't think the songs are all that – they're not all that great. I'm, I'm sorry. That is – that is one complaint I have about the movie. It's it's a lesser soundtrack. Yeah, I I could see that. No, um, I'll take it back. There's one other song that is awesome, uh, Fleetwood Mac's The Chain. Yeah. And that's because when that's used, it is a crowning moment of awesome. Yeah, what, when was that? Remind me, I forget. When he decides to go full rampage of revenge against his father. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, at the, at the very end. 
And, and let it be known, by the way, seriously, Ego is such a bastard. Um, off the record, because I don't want to get into too many spoilers and leave something for people. Right. Well, I think I mean, the scariest... People will have seen it if they're listening. Okay, far, well then, but... let me point out, by the way, that one of the scariest things about Ego is when he's discussing uh, Quill's mother. And he's oh. like, I loved her. I, I, I was willing to consider you know, sticking around for her. And the scary thing is because he, because of what he says next, you realize he's telling the truth. Yes. You realize he's not true. You realize he's not trying to be like, Oh yeah, your mother was special because I want you to go along with my scheme. Right. It's your mother was special, but she was so special that I had to murder her. Yeah. He said that. And it was like, Oh, fuck. And, Peter just the, snaps right out. It's like, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just starts blasting him. Yeah. Which is glorious. And it had to be known, Kurt Russell seriously kills that line. Yeah. Like, he just delivers that whole speech so calmly, so casually. He's like, you know, I just, I, I, I loved your mother, but I, I had to get her out of my life. So, boom, brain, brain tumor. Yeah. Um. By the way, Russell's entire performance in this movie is not without a little bit of real-world irony, if you're familiar with the story. I am not. Russell's uh, girlfriend's kids were basically abandoned by their father. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I say kids as if one of them isn't an Oscar nominee. Uh, Kate Hudson and her really? brother were... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they were basically abandoned by their biological father. He has nothing to do with their lives. Um, wow. yeah. And, um, Hudson considers, uh, uh, Russell, her, her father, because he stepped in, raised them. Of course, uh, he is, it's normal when you refer to Hollywood relationships that go back to the eighties that you're like her, his then, but no, 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 no. Let's, let's use correct terms. Um, Russell and, uh, his eternal, uh, partner, uh, Goldie Hawn, they are still together. Yeah, they are actually still together, which is awesome. Um, so, so it's kind of interesting that Russell plays a bastard father in this movie um, when in real life he's known to be the exact opposite. So that is an interesting bit of subtext to this movie that he he does this. God, he is just seriously. I feel like uh, after Tarantino used him in Death Proof, Hollywood started to wake up slowly. And it's taken Tarantino using him at least one more time. For Hollywood to get this. Let's not waste this guy here, okay? Russell is uh, a megastar like few others. and God, he's good here. He's so good. Yeah. I don't know. I could go for hours on this movie. That's the thing. I could go for hours on this movie. I could too. <laughs> I don't get to do that very often with sequels. This, to me, I don't know where I would put this on Marvel sequels. Um, I think it's, I mean, I definitely think it's better than, say, Age of Ultron. It's definitely way better than Thor The Dark World. Is it better than uh, Civil War? Yeah, I think it's better than Civil War. I just, I don't know. That's the thing. It's hard for me to say where I would say this is in terms of ranking it because it is its own unique thing. It doesn't feel like a standard sequel. It really does feel, if you will, like a volume two. It like does. we've seen, like we've seen the first part of this story. Now we're seeing the next part, and now we're going to go on and see the next part, which will probably. Uh, uh, we're not done with the we're not done with the sovereign, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I do want to make sure, by the way, to, to note that how much I love the, the the new characters in this movie are awesome. Mantis steals the film. Yes, absolutely. I. It, it's funny. I've actually seen some shots of what the actress who plays Mantis looks like outside of the film. Mm -hmm. Completely unrecognizable. Wow. Yeah, they, 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 it's, that's very extensive makeup on her, which you could probably tell. I mean, it's probably CGI, I think. But yeah, she, she looks very different. Uh, she's, uh, French and Korean. So, hmm. that's yeah. an interesting combination. Yeah. Very, very, uh, Palm Clementiev is, I think, the actress's name. I'm sure I absolutely destroyed that pronunciation. She's fantastic here. She, most of her scenes are with Drax. I liked the idea of the sovereign, this race of arrogant, just yes. so vain, but not without a sense of humor, as we find out in one scene. Right. Just so full of themselves and so full of shit. 
Oh, so just, and they're they they're going to be to be gold. Yeah, and we're going to see them again. We are going to see them again. Let's let's be clear. Yeah, especially as one of the cred scenes uh, indicated. I don't know. I mean, this movie even has a Sylvester Stallone cameo. Yes. That's how big this movie is. With the promise that we might see more of him. I hope so. I hope so. It was fun. It's, Stallone is one of those actors. It's He's now at a point for which I'm glad to see him in something. It makes me happy because it's like, oh, cool, Stallone's in this. That's nice. Yeah. And, and he's clearly having fun. Um, shame that we don't get a Tango and Cash reunion, but that, that never probably wasn't a way to make that happen. But uh, I am happy that we did get to see Howard the Duck again, though. That was cool. I One of my favorite thing, like problems solved is one thing I was wondering, really from the time that the last film came out, was, uh, you know, this the first one he has Awesome Makes Volume 1, and then, you know, he has this unopened package from his mother that, you know, he hasn't opened for 30 years, and... Uh, he, you know, gets Awesome Mix Volume 2. It's like, okay, well, for sequels, how are they going to do Awesome Mix Volume 3? And they came up with the best solution ever, which is to give him a Zune. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're just going to we're just gonna let that one hang there. We're, I'm not going to comment on it. It is brilliant. It's, the, it it's, is... it's one of the funniest jokes in the film. They give him a Zune. <laughs> and he's in awe of it. For the record, you know that Zunes actually have like a really serious fan base. I know. Like there are people that, that which makes it even funnier. It is. But it's just this idea that here these characters are out in space and they're in awe of a Zune. <laughs> it is over 300 tracks by it. 300? Which is hilarious because I am reasonably certain that's a fairly low count now. Very. It's, I, I thought of the, like I was thinking that out today. It's like you know, if you if an album is fifteen songs, uh, then that's like twenty, uh, twenty albums at best, or thirty albums at best, and twenty albums at average. That's not much. That's not. But that's the joke of the movie, and I'm and it's. I just, I don't know. There's just so much great here. It is a movie that gives you so much to chew on. Um, there is a lot here. This is not just a, we're phoning it in sequel. You know, Gunn really has something to say. You know, you mentioned Super. That's actually the first movie of his that I saw in a theater. Uh, not most people's answer, but that's mine. Uh, yeah. I, I love Super. I love Super. This is a very different gun, though. And it occurs to me that as these movies have gone on, as his entire filmography has gone on, the irony has slowly bled out of it. Yeah. This movie ends, just so that we're clear, this movie ends with a shot of a raccoon crying. Yeah. Do we understand the movie proper ends with a shot of Rocket crying? Hmm. Yeah. Your summer blockbuster ends with a raccoon crying. I love that. Yeah. Thanks, Marvel. Thanks. I just, I don't know. This movie's awesome. This movie is, it's absolutely what I wanted it to be. It's a full-fledged sequel. It's, it's the real deal. It's, I'm, I'm here now. Of course, the movie is, as soon as it ends, hits the credits, we're informed that the characters will return. They will return next year. Next year. We don't have very long to wait. We're going to see them next year. Only next year? Wow. Yeah, we're going to see them next year, but not in Guardians 3. Oh, yes. That's right. And I did read a spoiler for one scene that we will get in uh, in Infinity War. Drax is going to meet Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The Guardians are coming to Earth next time. Let's. By the way, isn't it weird to me? Is it weird that it'll be in their third appearance that the characters are coming to Earth? Yeah. Think about how many franchises... Like, Green Lantern spent most of the time on Earth. This, we're not even getting to Earth until the until the third time the characters show up. Yeah. I like, love it. We're, we're only, the first film, we're only on Earth for that opening sequence, and that's mm. it. This film, they only show, like, a couple quick cutaways of Earth. Yeah, including, a, including one scene with a very early, with an amazingly CGI'd Kurt Russell. 
Yeah, they are getting a lot better at that. Uh, I think my I think my dad pointed out that one of the things that makes that work is that uh, his features have been exaggerated a bit because he's an alien. <clears throat> yeah, they've been exaggerated a bit, and he wears sunglasses for most of that. Yes, that was a really smart move. That was a good. That was a good move. That was a good move. But man, I just again. I, I, this is a mini-sode, and it's probably going to run about as long as a normal episode. <laughs> Thereabouts. The thing is, this movie deserves it. Um, I'll tell you what, since we've got this moment, um, let's make this an unofficial Marvel episode, and I'll give my thoughts on Logan, if you will. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. While but, we've got yeah. this moment, um, let me just give my quick thoughts on Logan, because I haven't gotten those up. Okay, no spoilers well, on that one, though. No, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Though I'm going to be blunt and say that you will figure out where this movie is going before the credits are over. Yeah. You will figure out exactly where this movie is going before the credits are over, and that's presuming you haven't figured it out already. Okay, well, I have... Other than the first trailer, I know very little about the actual plot of the film. Yeah, you'll you'll figure out where this movie is going. This is very much sort of... I don't know that this feels like this is the canonical future for the X-Men. This feels to me more like a what-if story, like a dark future story, like a Dark Knight Returns, you know, because that's not actually the canonical future of DC, or, you know, one of those stories. That's what this feels like. This movie is awesome. This is another awesome movie. Um, Probably the best of the X-Men movies yet. Saying something. Saying something. It really is. It actually really is saying something. But I think it is the best because it's a real movie. Uh, James Mangold uh, wrote the story for this one uh, and co-wrote it with two other writers, uh, Scott Frank, who is a legend if you look up his credits, and Michael Green, who's co-running American Gods. Ah, amazing. So there are some real talented people on the script. This movie is a powerhouse. This movie is a look at Wolverine late in his life. He's actually aging. He's, time is catching up to him. He's not the hero he was. And he's wondering if he ever was a hero. That's the whole idea of this movie. Is are you in fact the person that you wanted to be? It's Wolverine is kind of the Jean Valjean of this story. And I'm not just saying that because Jackman has also played that part. This is really Wolverine in that role. He's wondering if he's lived a good life and what kind of person he's been. What is his legacy? What was, who was he? And mm-hmm. he's asking these questions, and it's really powerful. Um, Jackman, this is maybe the best he's ever been as an actor, period. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot, because he's done some really powerful work. Yeah. Patrick Stewart is incredible in this film. Um, playing a very different Professor Xavier. Everyone to hear Xavier dropping F-bombs left and right? Here you go. <laughs> you motherfuckers are gonna kill all my lilies! Oh yeah, it is rated R, isn't it? This is a hard R. You know, it's funny, because this movie is rated R like Deadpool was. The difference between why these two movies are rated R is night and day. One is for adults, and one is for teenagers. That's really the difference. And there's nothing wrong with Deadpool being a teenager-minded movie. But it's it's not a mature movie. Let's not kid ourselves. No. This is, is a mature. <laughs> this is a mature movie. The violence in this movie isn't fun. It hurts. It's graphic violence. It's ugly violence. This is not a happy movie. This is a very sad movie. Uh, it's two hours and 25 minutes. Oh my God, it's the shortest two hours and 25 minutes you'll see in the theater. I never once cared about the time. This movie shoots by. It's so good. Y'all, this is so good. Um, I hope y'all get to see. I mean, it, it was a it was a big size hit. I it did really well. Um, I don't want studios to get the wrong impression from these movies being hits, though. It's not the R rating that makes them big. It's that they're distinct. It's that they stand out. They're unique movies. But man, I loved this one. This is great. So yeah, up ahead for us. Let's see. Let's just quickly let's look at what we've got coming up in the comic book movie front. Wonder Woman in June. Guys, I hope to have something up on that within the first few days of its release. I am so going to see that. Um, Wonder Woman looks great. I, I, there's a lot of hope on that. 
Y'all, I don't think the marketing is nearly as soft as y'all think it is. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think the marketing is that bad. I think people forget Warner Brothers had another movie that they had to release first. Yeah. Warner, Warner Brothers had to shit out uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword before they could get this one out. Yeah. I saw a huge marquee of that when I went to see Guardians. Yeah, y'all, Warner Brothers has to shit that one out. They are in so deep in development costs on that movie, which I think at one time was supposed to be set in the present day. Really? Yeah, that shows you... Yeah, I think when I first... Because I see that uh, David Dobkins' name is on it, and I think the original pitch was that it was going to be Arthur and Lancelot in the present day. Lancelot's not even in it now, by the way. Uh... Do y'all see how much – do y'all see what's wrong with these movies getting made? This is totally a movie that was only made because the studio got so deep in development costs and they had to release it. Mm-hmm. They had to make it and they had to release it. You'll see those movies. They are nothing more than accretions of development costs. Uh, that one – that one, Brad Jones has already savaged that one so because mm-hmm. he saw it in an advanced screening. It's not any good. So let's be clear. Warner Brothers is having to sell that one before they can sell Wonder Woman. For the love of God, they've had posters in theaters since uh, the beginning of uh, – since last summer. They've had trailers in theaters. D- guys, don't worry. Wonder Woman's going to be fine. I yeah. uh, That one I've got high hopes for. Um, if you treat it as a doomed thing, maybe it'll be a doomed thing, but I can't wait to see it. So that one's looking good. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, that one looks amazing. God, that one looks – I you know let's just be quick. I'm not going to I'm not going to engage in the well. It's going to be better than the Sam Raimi movies because let's mm-hmm. not talk shit. Yeah, don't yeah. talk shit. No, <laughs> no. The Sam Raimi. The first two Sam Raimi movies are going to forever be probably the high standard for this series. Let's be clear. Uh, let's also be clear. The first Amazing Spider-Man movie is pretty good. It's pretty good. Let's also be clear. The second Amazing Spider-Man movie. I think I say this every Marvel cast, but I was too nice to uh, I was too nice to uh, Amazing Spider-Man two when I first saw it. I was way too nice to it because you just come out of it thinking it couldn't have been that was it was it something wrong with me? No, that it was that bad. That that's a bad movie. That's a real bad movie. Oh, and to think it destroyed Emma Stone's career. That's that's the tragedy of it. Is it destroyed her career? How was La La Land, by the way? <laughs> Yeah. Uh nice segue. Uh it was amazing actually. It was it rips your heart out. Good. Uh don't say too much on it cuz we're probably going to come back around and, and do an ep on that one. I that that's that's an ep topic to I, come. Yeah, I insist that we do because uh I mean Moonlight deserved to win. Moonlight deserved to win, but if Moonlight did not exist uh like, thank God it does, but if Moonlight did not exist, then this would be the easy winner. So, in other words, the split for director-picture was a good idea. It was a good idea, yeah. There are things that Damien Chazelle does in that film that are, like, as far as getting practical shots, um, they're amazing just because of the feet. That's that's awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Um, so, 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 that, so there's that one. Anyway, getting back to uh, Homecoming. Homecoming just looks awesome. My one complaint, guys, this is the Miles Morales story. You're just you're just inserting Peter into it. Don't don't think we don't see it. This is obviously the Miles Morales version. You just chose the white boy Spider Man. <sighs> I know it. Y'all know it. But it looks awesome. It looks awesome. I've I've got hopes. I think that one's gonna be good. And then I guess after that we have a nice gap. Uh, then we've got. Um, uh, Thor Ragnarok looks amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And Justice League. Um, I am not allowed to say anything bad about Justice League because of the internet. That's what it comes down to. Really? Yeah, I'm not allowed. The thing is, I think it looks pretty not what I want it to be. Let me be, put it that way. To me, Justice League should look big. It should look bold. It should look pretty. This looks ugly. I shouldn't be thinking ugly looking at Justice League. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I still haven't brought myself to see Batman v Superman. You know, you need to be you need to on an animal level. It's fun. 
just on like a sheer goofy fun time at the movies level, it's it works. Yeah. So so basically don't don't go in thinking of it as a lead up to as a lead up to Justice League. Oh no, oh no, you have to think of it as that because the movie crams yeah. it in your face, that's all it is. Ah, uh, gotcha. It's fine. It's one of those things. Literally my entire review of this movie is it's fine. But uh but anyway, getting back to uh, it, it is what it is. But anyway, getting back to Guardians, man, I'm, my final verdict is this. I'm sure I could probably complain that the pacing in the middle is a little slack, which is kind of funny because that because several people have compared this to Empire Strikes Back, and mm-hmm. this echoes it in some places. It does, yeah, in a good way. But you know, I don't care. I had an amazing time at the movies with this one, y'all. This is one to see. You're already going to see it, so my my review isn't going to change things. It made ten million on Monday just for, uh, com- yeah, people are going to this one. <laughs> you're all going to see it, and I know you're all going to see it. But man, man, it's worth it. It's worth it. I just I loved this movie. I'm happy with it. So, yeah, firm recommend. Firm, firm, firm recommend. Go see it. Awesome. Yes. And so yeah. Well, that's the state of Marvel. <laughs> Yep, state of Marvel. All right. Do you do you notice, by the way, how much fun it is to do my job? Yeah, I I've noticed. You heard her in the background. <laughs> foreground, but yes. Foreground. She really is in the foreground, isn't she? Yeah. That's kid. I'm gonna try. Listen, listen. I'm gonna try and put her down, and you listen closely. Okay, I'm trying to distract her, but I'm gonna see. She is staring up at me like. How dare you? <laughs> you put you you put me down. <laughs> yep, you put me down. How dare you? And now she's trying to stand up because <laughs> that's Lola for you. She's just staring at me though viciously. <laughs> it's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know Or find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on But take your time, think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not How can I try to explain When I do, he turns Same, same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen Now there's a way And I know that I have to go away I know I have to go Cool? Hell yeah, he's cool. I'm very popping, y'all!